1: so sincere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and hey everybody. Um, gosh, we've had a couple of great episodes here recently. We just I just spoke with Brianne Ruse and Kanita Williams about bell hooks teaching to transgress and had a great conversation if you didn't have a chance to check that one out please make sure you do so it was it was a lot of fun to record um, we were supposed to be airing the last um, episode of my discussion with Danielle Carrie and brianne around dancing with discomfort if you remember Carrie and Danielle really wanted to do a QA session and that got pos- postponed so stay tuned for that in the near future. So I thought what I would do is circle back to my, um, you know, mini episodes around the book Dancing with Discomfort. And as I may have told you in that first episode a couple of weeks ago, I'm working on and thinking a lot about a guidebook um, based on some feedback I've be, been receiving, the publisher has been receiving. It seems like that's something that readers would like to see. And so I thought as part of that work, It always helps me to create space to talk it out, (laughs) to get some feedback, and just to sort of play around with some ideas and see what it sounds like when it comes out of my, from my brain and out, out my mouth, and then sort of, you know, iterate and revise and improve as we go along. So this is episode two of those sort of mini series that we're doing, or I'm doing, and In this episode of this work, I wanted to talk about two questions that are coming up for me. One is, what do I want this guide to be? I mean, I've seen, I've done some sort of research on guidebooks, you know, corresponding notebooks, journals, textbooks, and I've also used them in books that I've read myself. So I sort of have a a view and a perspective on this guidebook, and when I think about that question, I'd like it to be something different. Um, I'm thinking multimedia. I'm thinking a guidebook that shows up as a coach in some ways, a guidebook that shows up as, you know, a, a training schedule or a training regiment or a resource for thinking about this training. And um, I'm reading this great book right now called Heroic Leadership. And in the book, they talk about spiritual exercises and this is the je- about the Jesuit tradition and how St. Ignatius was able to really move this, this, this tradition forward. And something that they talk about is the spiritual practice that they undertook um, was as critical to anything else they were doing. And so to become a Jesuit, you spent a considerable amount of time in this spiritual practice. And so... They, the author of the book actually compared it to, you know, exercising and training and fitness. And so part of me is thinking about this guidebook as that, right, is to give uh, my readers some specific training tips and activities, routines um, that you could implement to do some of this work around um, training and transitions, so that's 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 a piece of it. I think the other piece is, I've been doing. You know, I recently became certified as a coach. I've been doing a lot of coaching with students and and other clients, and just noticing how important it is to create the space, the conversation, the listening, the being present and attentive can be um, in support of the work we want to do with our individual selves. And so how do I incorporate those kinds of experiences into a guidebook? And I've been thinking about things like, I don't know, mini audio recordings, maybe mini, mini mini-sodes, mini, mini um, mini-sodes of a podcast of sorts that maybe readers would listen to either before they start a chapter or In the middle of embarking on a practice, so when I talk about multimedia, that's what I'm thinking, right? The other thing I'm thinking is I know from teaching lots of different students that we as human beings take in information in all kinds of ways. We read it. We listen to it. We look at pictures. We hear it. We feel it. And so how can I create a guidebook that incorporates all of those different modalities and ways of taking in information that would honor the needs um, you know, and diverse talents of people who read the book. So so those are all the things that are going through my head as I think about this guidebook. And so th- the thing I want to focus on today is uh, a qu- another question that someone brought to me um, was, in, and I think you might remember from the conversation I had with Carrie and Danielle and Brianne was about change versus transition, right? And we talked about sort of change being that immediate event situation that happens and then the transition it may be short-lived but it also could be prolonged and take months years you know what whatever that is and so someone asked me well how do you know when it's change versus transition and is this linear you know do you go through a change and then a transition could is the transition over and then change happen again like what does that all look like And I'm still in the process of giving that some thought because I think that's a really good question. But the part of my response I want to dig into just a little bit in this second episode of of talking about this guidebook is my sort of flippant answer, kind of flippant but not really, is it doesn't matter to me. You, you know, whatever your definition of change and transition are – if those sort of operating definitions work for you, then go with it. What really matters to me is that you're even paying attention and discerning change and transition. Because at the end of the day, as I get further and further away from when I published this book and wrote this book during the pandemic, I'm realizing that, yeah, the book I wrote and the work that I continue to do is in support of noticing and navigating our transitions, it's a yes and for me. And it's also just encouraging individuals and groups and organizations to pay attention. And I try in the book to talk about critical reflection, learner mindset, staying curious, being humble, coming to the table with questions um, finding gratitude and grace in a moment, finding your own greatness, even in the most difficult of situations, and all of this is in service to paying attention to our lives, to taking ownership and agency for those moments, and making the best of them, right not not taking any single iota of a moment, an emotion of feeling good, bad, or otherwise for granted not trying to wash over a difficult situation or sore muscles when you're in the middle of training or nervousness when you're getting ready to turn in a paper or do a presentation, but to pause just for a moment and pay attention to the moment and be present in that moment. And so as I think about this guidebook, I've been thinking more and more about mindfulness and mindfulness practice. And there's an entire you know, there's probably an entire wing of libraries and bookstores with books and ideas around mindfulness. And there's no part of me that's trying to claim that I even know a little sliver of the mindfulness work, literature and books. But what I do know is that when we think about mindfulness as a definition and a concept, John Kabat-Zinn, um, who is a leading practitioner and expert in the field of mindfulness, he I mean, he's just a leading expert. He leads retreats. He teaches others. Um, he's written tons of books. He's amazing. And he defines mindfulness as bringing complete attention to experiences occurring in the present moment in a non-judgmental way, an accepting way. And this was back in the 90s when he was talking about mindfulness. And even in the early 2000s, Brown and Ryan also talk about um, mindfulness in a, a similar way, and in the book that I just mentioned, Heroic Leadership, one of the key attributes of leadership that this author talks about is the ability of one to do the self work, to learn to be self aware, with the goal of both knowing your core values, vision, and mission. Right? What What are your What's your purpose? What are your core values? And staying true to those core values in a way that in any situation, if you're the official leader or not, you remain what what he calls indifference and what I call being unattached. In coaching, we talk about being unattached. And what that means is when you're working with a student or a client and they're sharing, they're talking, we're exploring, we're discovering, you as the coach, you don't have an agenda you do not have or should not have an attachment to where the conversation goes, right? Where it's headed, what they do, where it goes. You're just there to listen and you're in service of your mission, your value in that moment, which is to be in service and present and supportive and a good listener for your client. So in the same way, when we show up for our, our work, our play, our personal and professional relationships, learning to do the self-work, to dig into the self-awareness, and to ultimately show up in any circumstance being unattached and indifferent, but focused on our core values and noticing when we lean into our core values and what happens when something that occurs, whether it's our own action or others' actions, don't honor our core values, right? It's staying true to the core values, staying true to the mission. Even if that means as a leader, you you know fill the printer with printer paper and then pass out those pages to other people in the room. That's what's being unattached. It's not ego driven. You don't have a need to be in control. You don't have to be the one in charge. You don't have to prove that you know something or prove that you're right you know, or prove your self-worth by demonstrating it or being mean or creating fear. You are in service of the greater good, which is defined by your core values as well as the organization or team's core values. And if you keep that laser focused and if you do the self-work to notice when you're veering off course, then that is where good leaders are born. And so it's a lot, I know. It's a lot to unpack. And so what I've been thinking about with this guide is it's this combination of coaching and mindfulness where at the end of the day, for me, this book, this Dancing with Discomfort, a framework for noticing, naming, and navigating our in-between moments, it's about being present. It's about doing the self work, right? The inside work so that we can show up for others. Because I can tell you, As a leader, as a teacher, as a mom, as a friend, as a community member, what gets in my way is when I'm not tuned in to what's going on with me, when I'm not aware of or paying attention to how someone's reaction, someone's comment, someone's conversation has elicited emotions in me. And if I'm not asking myself, what's that about? then those emotions, those reactions get in the way of the work, right? They get in the way. And so at the end of the day, this book, Dancing with Discomfort, in my humble opinion, is an opportunity for us to come together individually, collectively, as organizations, and do the self-work so that we can be better. And be, you know, we can be better ourselves to be better for others and, at the end of the day and i think this is clear in the literature as well those individuals who have done that kind of work are able to show up as good leaders who who are able to one acknowledge and be confident in their own value skills and talent and see the value skills and talent in others and use their power and privilege to cultivate those talents and skills and find places to use and leverage those talents and skills of others and hopefully contribute to others being leaders in their own right. If we don't do that self-work, we can't do that leadership work. We can't facilitate good meetings. We can't teach effectively with our students. We can't run a community meeting. We can't Be a leader. I challenge you, think about moments in your life just where there's been a riff or a feeling of discontent or dissonance or frustration or upset and ask yourself, what is that about, right? Now look, I'm not saying that we should let people get away with hurtful things. That is definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm asking us to do, however, is to do our very best to discern how much of this situation, reaction, comments, suggestions, and emotional feelings can I own or should I own? And how much of it is the other person or person's thing, right? If we do that work to separate what's sort of on me to be responsible for and manage and on the external to be responsible and we, we essentially let that go, we're able to show up in different ways in these same spaces, unattached, <coughs> indifferent, being able to do the work. The ego is put aside, the worry over being right, looking smart, having control, being perceived as the leader, all of that is put aside because in your heart of hearts, you know that putting the paper in the printer or leading that meeting on a Wednesday afternoon is in service of your core values or the organization's values and that's what matters. So I think that this guidebook needs to be something where we are able together even though it's asynchronously, right? We're obviously not going to meet, you know, synchronously online or in person to do the the work, although that would be great too. I would love to, I'd love to have an opportunity to do a series of workshops where people come and we do the work. But short of that, what can this guidebook offer that provides an opportunity for individuals like my listeners and my readers and groups and organizations? What could I provide that offers opportunities to do this kind of exploration and discovery. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm not gonna say the person's name correctly, not Han, who's also, I believe he's a Buddhist. He talks about mindfulness shows shows us what's happening in our bodies, emotions, our minds, and in the world. And so I do think that in some ways, coaching, Noticing and naming and navigating transitions, paying more attention, really is another form of mindfulness. And if you read any of the literature or even, you know, just newspaper articles, magazine articles, online articles about mindfulness, meditation is not the only way to engage in mindfulness, although it's part of it. But you don't have to sit there for 25, 30, 45 minutes or do a silent retreat to engage In meditation or mindfulness training and so I wonder if as we read this book and I'm gonna I'm in the process of reading it again and thinking about mindfulness I wonder if this book could be a way to engage our attention to engage our presence to engage ourselves in a deeper exploration and practice of self-awareness I don't know. I would love for some of my listeners who are listening, who are paying attention to this, have who have questions, reactions. I would love for you to reach out uh, via email and let me know what you think about this. If you have ideas, things that you would like to see in the guidebook, I would be all answers. Um, yeah, I think it would be awesome to hear from you. So, again, I'm just getting started with this guidebook And so I thought to sort of practice and exercise some of these ideas, I would do a few shorts around these ideas. And this episode has focused on mindfulness. As I said in the beginning, someone asked me, you know, how do you know when it's changed? How do you know when it's transitions? How do you discern the beginning or end of one of those elements? And I think that's an amazing question. And at the end of the day, with my learner mindset and curiosity, my response to this person initially was, I don't, that question is important and there could be multiple answers to it and I don't need to know the right answer. What I'm so excited about and what I would be celebrating with that question is that individuals, groups, and organizations are noticing change and transitions and paying attention to what's happening in those change changes and in those transitions because at the end of the day it's not about getting the right answer it's not about having all the information it's not about knowing with certainty what's going to happen next it's about paying attention it's about being present and it's about getting to know ourselves and learning to value ourselves and bring the confidence to say I do have talents and skills and things to contribute in these spaces. And, yes and, so does everybody else in the room. And once you build that confidence within yourself, it becomes less difficult to notice and pay attention to the others around you and what they bring to the space. So spending less time managing your own reactions and managing your sort of ego, right, your ego that shows up needing to prove something and paying attention to the talents and diversity in the room and doing your level best to make sure there's space for all the people in that space to contribute. All right, everybody. Um, Thanks so much for listening. As I said, if you have thoughts, ideas, questions, suggestions, pushback, I love pushback, about these ideas that I'm having, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to have a conversation and hear more about I don't know what how this resonates or doesn't with you. So alright, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic day. Please stay well. This is Carrie Borkowski, and this Slow is another episode of Tell God Me This. God. Take care. So sincere mm-hmm. Under the glacier. Your last year Some They